right, we are here. We are backstage at Changelog. Jared is here. That's me. Adam is here. That's you, Adam. What's up? And we have a special guest with us in backstage, Hugo Barauna. But we'll probably call him Hugo because it's easier. What's up, man? Yay! I'm great. Happy to have you. Uh, you're here to talk about content, newsletters. You got Elixir Radar. We want to hear a little bit of the story of Elixir Radar because uh, anybody who's been following along knows that Elixir, the language, which bore, was born out of Platform and Tech and the team there and Jose and everybody, has been you know transitioned out when Platform and Tech was aqua hired and uh, Elixir Radar, which is the best Elixir focused newsletter around. I read it every week. Uh, also kind of transitioned out and now it's like it's it's your thing now. So we do want to hear that story, but we were talking about podcasts. We were just co- talking about Elixir podcasts and you reminded me of the Ruby 5 podcast, which had to be like five, ten years ago now. I don't know. When did that podcast stop? Yeah, I think Ruby 5 was from around 2012, something like this. Yeah. Uh, from Rack Pollock, the finding folks from... Yeah, was it Code School or what was the Greg's company, Adam? Do you remember? I think it was from the, the farmer company, the, the previous one. Okay. Uh, was it a Ruby Consultants? Yes, yes. Oh, that's right. And the cool thing about Ruby 5 is it was five minutes, five topics, I think. Five minutes. The five minutes. Around five minutes of just was re- really like reading the news of the Ruby community. Yeah. It was kind of seeing and Greg always had this good humor right uh way, way to talk about things so it was interesting it was a quick hit and it was five minutes and it kind of had five topics if i remember their their ui was cool on the website it was like there was five i remember there's a play bar and there's kind of five uh almost radio buttons you know uh, notches in the bar and you could like skip to that part as if five minutes was too long you had to skip into it but anyways it was a neat ui <laughs> the reason we brought that up is because uh we were talking about elixir podcasts and We've talked about doing an Elixir podcast here at Changelog, and we've had a lot of people ask us to do an Elixir podcast. Ultimately, I always say no, mostly because I feel like the Elixir community is pretty well served in the style podcast that we do, which is conversational interview style podcasts. There are a lot of them out there. We had uh, the Elixir Talk fellas on our podcast last year, keeping us up to date with what's going on in Elixir. But you had mentioned that someone's maybe interested in doing a Ruby 5 style show, which I think... If you're going to have a new Elixir podcast, I think mix it up, Change right? It up. Change yeah. it up. Don't follow that same formula, and there might be some value in that. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. There's value in that kind of show, though, because you can almost not miss it. You know, I, right. Or I suppose when you do click it, you're you're not like... It's not a big commitment. So even if you just listen to two minutes, hey, that's almost the whole show. You know what I mean? So <laughs> you can sort of get away with just like dipping your toe in And keeping, uh, you can almost maybe even read the headline for it, the show notes of it, and then listen if you want to or provide, you know, chaptering so you can just jump right to that spot. You know, that's the kind of show where where an audience that would want to listen to it could almost listen to it very, very often, very consistently. Whereas Mm -hmm. longer form shows is more like, well, that's a big commitment. I I really want to listen to it. Or the show has to really deliver on its promise of like every show regardless if it's like in your wheelhouse or not, is entertaining, educational, informative, enjoyable, right. whatever. You know, that that's the hard thing, I suppose, about longer form shows, whereas a short form like that can really uh, keep an audience. In my yeah, opinion, yeah. I'm assuming this at least. It fits in, you know, 
Yeah, and uh, just one thing that came to my mind while you're saying about this is um, even in, the, in this our current context, context as um, like with the COVID and everything. I don't know mm-hmm. about you guys, but I, um, I've been listening less to podcasts because I used to listen to it to them while commuting to work. Yeah. But since I'm almost 100% of my time at, at home, now I don't have these types of time yeah. that I used to listen to podcasts. It's like 30, 40, even one hour. Yeah. So five-minute podcasts, maybe it's a thing for this, period, for this point of time that we had. Yeah, that's a really good point. The challenge I would give too then to those listening to this and people with that perspective is how has your life changed? And so if you're a diehard podcast listener, when you had a commute, you know, do you feel more or less connected to the community? Do you feel more or less behind in terms of trends or waypoints in terms of the, the industry and tech? You know, do you feel yeah. like you're still keeping up? Do you feel behind? Do you feel isolated? You know, or do you feel like, ah, you know what, that actually didn't really matter to me. You know, I would actually challenge everyone to do that because I know I've listened less as well. It, and I think that's kind of where I'm at. It's like I feel a little bit more behind the curve or just sort of like a little bit more of an island. You know, whereas mm. before I was more connected, more on top of things, you know, and, and now I'm just sort of like very selective with what I choose because i got less time. Hmm. Yeah, I think I definitely had to do a calling of my list because uh, certain podcasts no longer made the cut, you know, and I think a lot of people are doing that. Like uh, I, maybe if you, maybe you listen to a third of the shows that you used to listen to, or maybe two thirds, whatever each person's threshold is, well, you have to make some hard decisions, right? Like who's going to make the grade and who's not. And uh, I know we've talked about this maybe on backstage. We had a, we had a drop off like everybody industry wide podcast dropped 15% during the first few weeks of the lockdown, just Right off the top, you can even see in our stats, just gone. All of our shows, right down. And the commute is obviously the big reason for that, but also just like huge life changes. All of a sudden, like habits are broken, you know, things that you're used to doing, you're not doing. So that happened. I definitely had to uh, cull my list a little bit. And then we started thinking like, well, what do we do in this this brave new world? And uh, we put out, you know, five, six shows a week and we want to be in people's ears. And so how do we combat that? as podcasters, as a business and our desire solution is like, well, we just have to be better, right? We just have to be like indispensable. We have to be the show that you do want to listen to. And we're going to make that top third or that top 50% or whatever your cut happens to be. So we've been trying to do that. And how do we do that? Well, great guests, great content, put as much TLC into it as we can and just hope for the best. And so that's kind of been our strategy in light of that. But uh, one thing I wanted to mention when we talk before we get to newsletters, we're still talking about podcasts, is we've thought about doing a Changelog Weekly podcast. And in fact, we've had people request it. One such person, I gave a shout out last backstage, but I didn't pronounce his name correctly. He's since corrected me. So I'm going to give it a shot. Lars, no, Lars. Lars. Lars Wickman. Yeah, Lars Wickman. Yeah. My good friend Lars rhymes with SARS. And he was saying he'd listen to a show or he'd like a show. And he's a he's an Elixir developer. Uh, he's on the Elixir Mix podcast, I believe. So he's a podcaster as well. And he's been doing a lot of dev for us. And he would like a show where it's like literally just like the news read to the news read out loud. Um, we had some ideas around that. Adam, remember we used to we were working with our friend Jason Cipher, and now he 
tragically passed away, but he, he was like going to do a version of speaking of Rails Envy. He was going to like do a Changelog Weekly podcast where he like reads our headlines and just he was going to say silly things and make jokes and stuff. But <laughs> I'm curious if you guys have any interest in like just merely the news read to you, uh, developer like Elixir Radar, but not commented on like literally just reading Elixir Radar. Is that something that's attractive to you guys? For me, it's not, but I'm just one person. Yeah, I, I asked myself about this because of this guy that I mentioned who approached me with this idea, maybe like reading Elixir Raider and distributing as a podcast. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I think I'm more of for that kind of content. Before Elixir Raider, I used to subscribe to, to Ruby Weekly. So as a reader... Uh, mm-hmm. These letters of my previous habit of reading Hobby Weekly from Peter Cooper. I like to read it because then, uh, oh, I like this link. So I click on it and then I read more. So I don't know. I, I don't see myself that much consuming that kind of content in a podcast format. But that said, I also used to be a subscriber of the Ruby 5 podcast back in yeah. the days. And I like it, actually. So I don't know. I know if I change it. Maybe. Or there's no option out there in the elixir world at least but i don't know yeah i'm not sure i think of it like uh clothes you know or fashion that's different for everybody right like not everybody needs all the things right so just because you produce a show that's shorter form or maybe doesn't fit you jared like you had said and you admitted right that it may fit others i think that the only thing you do really is just try Mm -hmm. and maybe you know dip your toes in the water and put some investment out there and, and like commit to 10, 20 shows or a quarter, you know, a certain amount of weeks, you know, 12 weeks or something like that. And then that way, even along the way too, put out a, a, a form in the show notes and say, you know, rate this show. Would you listen to it again? Would you recommend it to a friend? Whatever it would give you an indication that it's successful. And then obviously watch your stats, you know, as it makes sense. Right. But I think that with podcasts, what I've seen is uh, the more variance we have, there's obviously some big hitters like Serial or, you know, story-based podcasts that have a, a wide mainstream appeal. But I think when it comes to the kind of shows we produce, the kind of information we're delivering, you need something that's quick, informative. It just, uh, there's not a one-size-fit-all, basically. Yeah. You, you really got to try a lot of this stuff. And, and I think when you do that, you're going to see some benefits from it. Like, for example, Jason. Gosh, man, I really wish I would have worked out. Yeah. Um, you know, in both ways. I miss him as a, as a dude, and I, I miss the fact that we didn't get to work on that show with him. Yeah. And it didn't make it past the... He recorded the, a pilot for us, and it did, was really yeah. good. Oh, And I'm yeah. so bummed because I couldn't find that that pilot. Oh, you went looking for it? Yeah, I wanted to go find it and, like, you know, nostalgia and miss him and that kind of thing. I wanted to go back and listen to it. Yeah. And maybe even release it as, like, a never-shipped version of Weekly, you know, Memorial to That would to be Jason. actually really cool, yeah. Yeah, and I, mean, I couldn't find it. That kind of show, I think for Channel Weekly even would be pretty cool. Like someone yeah. that isn't me or you, Jared, reading that. And then Jason in the way he was, like just had that that he's really interesting humor, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a character for sure. And he could just, just the voice inflections to make it interesting. By the way, uh, for the listener's sake, you're backstage. Things happen backstage that don't happen in other podcasts, such as, you know, people are vacuuming backstage yeah. sometimes. I can't help we'll that. We'll see. So it, that. Maybe we can gate it out and you won't even know what I'm talking <laughs> about. But if you hear some, you know, humming on Adam's side, that's just uh, someone's vacuuming. So... No big deal. Um, I think experimentation is really the spirit of what you're talking about there, Adam. And, th- and that's yeah. one thing, Hugo, that 
uh, impressed me with what you're doing at Elixir Radar is that you're really experimenting with the newsletter. And you've been doing a lot of different things and seeing what you know what sticks and what doesn't and, and asking for the community feedback. I'd love to talk to you about some of that experimentation, how it's been going. Yeah. But catch everybody up with the radar itself. Maybe tell just briefly the the story of it inside the platform attack and now it's your own thing. Tell us about that. Sure. So for those of the listeners that who don't know me, um, I I was or am, I don't know, since the company is no more. But I, I was one of the co-founders of Platform Attack, the company where Elixir was created. Mm-hmm. I'm a computer engineer, but um, as an entrepreneur, I did lots of different things at the company, like marketing, sales, and everything. And Elixir Radar was one of these projects that I come up with back in 2015, I think, as um, like as a marketing idea, actually. So we created Elixir in 2012, and after a few years... So we were a consultancy company. We did development and consulting for Ruby companies. We were very strong in the Ruby community too, created device and simple form, which were both uh, very um, popular Ruby packages in the, in the open source community. So then we created Elixir and Elixir will start to grow. And we noticed that Elixir and Jose Valen, my partner, co-founder of Platform Tech, names were getting more popular. The platform attacked the company not that much. So mm-hmm. we wanted to show, hey, this is a company behind it. And yes, Elixir is open source. It's going to be forever because we love the open source idea. And But we offer services for companies who could benefit from it. We wanted Elixir companies around the world to know about us. So I came up with this idea inspired by Ruby Weekly to create like content curation newsletter focusing on Elixir. And the interesting thing that there was no kind of newsletter in the Elixir community back then. There was one before called Elixir Fountain, but it was not in operation anymore. So that's how Elixir Radar uh, was born uh, with the idea to bring content produced by community peers to others. And also by showing that this was a project by Platform Attack, the company behind Elixir. So this was back in 2015. Uh, five years after that, this year, in the beginning of this year, we sold the company to a company here in Brazil, big fintech in Brazil. And um, we were um, very active in the Ruby and Elixir communities. And we didn't want our efforts and work in the both community, um, both communities to die. So we have all these open source projects, not just the language, which was the biggest one. It was, it was not a project from Platform Attack since the beginning. It was a community project. So, uh, yes, Jose was there and everything, but we have, there is a Lixir core team which was not composed just by uh, front engineers. So, but there's Elixir, there's Divide, a simple form. Uh, but it was also Elixir Radar, what I thought that was very good for the community. And since I was at the beginning of it, I, I had the kind of emotional attachment to it. So I wanted to continue and I talked to my partners and we decided that I could continue this just by myself. Mm. So since around March or April, something around this, uh, is it just me behind it? Before this was people from our engineering team and from the marketing team. 
the engineers were doing the content curation and the marketing folks were doing the, the publishing and promotion. Now I'm doing everything like uh, curation and publishing and everything. And um, one of the things that I decided with this is, hey, I'm going to do some experiments. Since the, since the beginning of this year, uh, once we sold the company, I decided to take a break from like uh, full-time employment. Not exactly mm-hmm. work. I usually say that I'm working, but I'm not employed. I'm in a, sure. I'm in a, I'm in a sabbatical period. I'm doing some side projects here and there, and Luxurate is one of them. But I'm also doing lots of self-inquiries and like self-knowledge exercises. And hmm. as I rediscover my values, I want that to reflect in my work. So, um, what a I great opportunity. Least, yeah. So Elixir Raider is one of my laboratories to, to express, uh, my work in the new kind of ways that I've been uh, reflecting on. So that's not that fast way to explain it, but that's the idea. <laughs> that's the story in the that's beginning story. and nowadays. Yes. Yeah. I just think it's cool to look behind the scenes. And one of the things you've been doing as you step out, because I have been a long-time subscriber, is that you are putting more of yourself into the newsletter, right? It's more, it's no no longer like this. I wouldn't call it, it was sterile, but it was like business. Even Changelog Weekly, which is our weekly newsletter, the content isn't business, but like it's, it's uniform, it's designed, it's for readability, and we don't put too much personality into the newsletter intro or the styles. We, we try to put the personality in, into the commentary, of course. Um, and of course, our personalities are injected into what we select to cover and, and all that. But um, you're really kind of coming up from behind the veil as you've taken it on. Is that something that was natural for you? Was it a challenge to say, hey, it's me, Hugo, and I'm your Elixir yeah. Radar host? Because it was always, I mean, it was you and your team, but it was a platform tech thing. And now it's like, the same thing, but kind of a different thing now. Yeah. Uh, it was intentional, but not natural and not easy. So one of the things that I value is what I, I used to call like humanized work or people say in the business, human to human instead of business to consumer or mm-hmm. business to business. And I have this idea that this can be not just interesting from a personal point of view, but even from a business point of view, because it can be a good uh, differentiation element because uh, only you can be yourself. So if your audience or consumers value your services and your content or your products, not just because of the products or services, but also because of the people who are behind it, they connect in some way with them, that's a very good differentiation from a business point of view. And mm. from a personal point of, point of view, it's just that I, I, I want to be myself in all the different aspects of my life. So work is a very important aspect of my life. I love to work. Um, I, I'm, I have this um, it's privilege to work on something that I love. And I just wanted to show that it's, it's just a human behind everything. And and be more personal, be more, I don't know, human. So I got to say, it was intentional, but not that natural. And it's not, e- and not easy because some people like it, some people don't. And when people don't yeah. like it, it's not that they don't like your product. 
they don't like you. So yeah. it's kind of <laughs> so it's kind of hard not take this to your to a personal level. So I'm 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 learning as I'm doing this, and but as I said, it's um it's a good lab, it's a good experiment for me. I did some changes, like I was in the newsletter. I was starting the newsletter instead of the curated content and blog posts from the community. I was starting the newsletter with an intro, a little bit my what, what I had in mind. And hey, now I'm trying to uh, make some money with this thing because I want it to be financially sustainable and everything. And this is the story behind the, the, the main thing, which is the, the curated content. But some people like it, some uh, others don't. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to hear this. <laughs> I don't mind about <laughs> it. I just want the content. Oh, yes. So I just noticed that people subscribe it in the first place to receive the content, not what I, I, I'm thinking. So I put it at the bottom, maybe in the blog post. I'm learning with it. I'm receiving the feedback. But most of the feedback are good, so... It's been it's been interesting. I, I'm it's been an interesting experiment, and I hopefully for the better. So, is the negative feedback literal replies or saying I don't like the way you're doing this, or is it just unsubscribes? How are you getting that feedback yeah. loop? Yeah, unsubscribes didn't change uh, in terms of unsubscribe rate. Uh, it's the same as usual. Um, a very small, I don't know, 0.2%, 0.02. I think the engagement of this slide is very good. But the feedback comes from email replies. And there was this one tweet from a person who used to subscribe to it also. And I'm using that kind of feedback as also a way to develop some skills. So I don't know if you heard about this nonviolent communication thing. There's a book about it. So as people go to you and say things that you don't like it and you feel attacked or maybe you feel the, the person is a little bit aggressive, I try to stay calm and give a notice. Uh, acknowledge that I received the feedback and I'm thinking about it. Thank you for this. But hey, this is, it was the motivation. And even the, the feedback, the people who said they, they didn't like it, I was using this in a constructive way, like to improve myself. Mm. So both the nice feedback and the bad feedback were useful, but not that easy because, again, it's, it feels that it's not about the newsletter or about your company. It's about you. So uh, it's not that easy, but it, I'm learning. It's been a good experiment to keep growing. Criticism is tough to take. It's um, yeah. Yeah. multifaceted, pretty complex sometimes, sometimes from a, a position of the person's experiences and so not so much from a position of empathy. So they may give you feedback or criticism or whatever, however you want to frame it, not so much based on upon real even reality. It's their experiences, which is real for them, but it's not based on like them knowing you, knowing your, yeah. inten- your intentions. And you know, in particular with newsletters, a newsletter done right is a deliver of a promise. And so the reason why people subscribe is because you offer them a promise and the newsletter is a delivery of that promise. And what we've found and what we've seen is because we hold real dear and close to that, I suppose only one time recently, Jared, did we break that rule, 
Uh, and, and we would never do it again. Don't remind me. If you say I'm gonna week, I'm gonna email you weekly and never ever otherwise, and you know you deliver that promise, that newsletter is a manifestation of that promise to your subscribers. And if you don't break that promise and you deliver on it consistently, you'll be rewarded with awesome open rates, awesome engagement rates, awesome click-throughs, or whatever the metrics are that you're trying to optimize for. You know, whether it's readership or you know replies to it. You know, you'll see those benefits if you clearly state your promise and deliver on that promise. Yeah, that's interesting, uh, and I I agree a hundred percent with you. So this is a newsletter who's um, in production. It's live mm -hmm. for five years, more than five years actually, almost six on January next year. And um, so one question that came to my mind is: people evolve, and shouldn't we also keep evolving our promises? It's hard. Totally. Yeah. One of the things that, I, that I'm doing on on my sabbatical is I start to study a field of science called positive psychology. It's just a, a sub subfield for our psychology, and humans tend to they they both like stuff to stay the same. But also to change a little bit because if people stay the same forever and they keep, they start to disengage. So in terms of newsletter, I'm thinking, okay, if we want to do this something different, should I do it or not? Because yes, people like consistency, but maybe we should also keep evolving. So it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's not that simple. <laughs> no. So how's it been going? I mean, you're six months in now, I guess, maybe seven months in yeah. being like solo. Elixir radar. Yeah. Would you say it's going well? Yeah, I think it's going well. I think it's going um, really good in terms of being a way to keep myself involved in the community. I uh, I had lots of different motivations to keep uh, Elixir radar um, up and running by myself. Uh, one of them was keep involved in the community. Like um, I was at a co-founder when Elixir was started, so definitely I love Elixir. And I want to keep involved in it. And Elixirator gives like an ex very good excuse to do this every week. Uh, an excuse to go back to coding. As I said, I'm a computer engineer, but I'm, uh, the last years of the company, I was more into marketing and sales and business. Um, but I, be, I, be, I continue to study and just play with it. But now that I have the time and the need, I'm going to rewrite the Elixirator website um, and in Elixir itself is already a things up, so a good opportunity to code more. Um, in terms of engagements, going really well. Um, and since July, I also start to experiment with monetization. Uh, and this comes to my my thoughts around kind of sustainability of working in the open source world. Mm -hmm. So um, at the platform attack, we started as a, a consultant specialized in Ruby, and Ruby is open source, and then Elixir. And we always invested in open source software, in blog posts, talks. We wrote, members from our company wrote, I don't know, six books, uh, three in the US, or three in Brazil. I, I myself wrote a a book about TDD and BDD in Ruby in Brazil. So we, we invest a lot of our time with content and open source, but it wasn't easy to make it more sustainable in the, 
in a way that we could invest more in the work which wasn't generating revenue directly to us. So Elixir was an example. José, we, we were able to, to afford having him working full-time on Elixir since almost the beginning, since 2012 at least. He, he started to play with the Elixir idea in 2011, mm-hmm. and then in 2012 was his full, mostly full-time job. And we wanted more people to work on it. And our engineers could work on open source projects between client projects and also on their free time. Some of them did lots of open source work on their free time. Uh, besides Jose, we had two members on the Rails core team too, uh, Rafael França and Carlos Antonio. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this clearly was... If we as a company wanted to invest more in open source, we, we had to come up with ways to make it, to make mo- more money with it. Yeah. And it was not, was not easy. And lots of years after that, in 2019, I think, 2018, you created this service called Elixir Development Subscription. And the idea was basically, okay, all the money that we're going to make with this, we're going to invest again in open source. And it worked. And, and after we, we came up this service, uh, we, had to, we hired two more engineers to work more than 50% of their time in open source. And, and they, they created more uh, cool projects in the Elixir community, like uh, MySQL and Broadway. Broadway, yeah. And, yeah. Curious, did you hear our, our most recent Jose episode? Did yeah. you listen to that one? I was going to yeah. say, that probably hit close to home because there was lots of talk about mm-hmm. the development subscription yeah. and the acquisition and uh, yeah. Broadway. So I'm sure you were probably yeah, yeah, yeah. close to the metal on that one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and so I saw this happening. If we come up with ways to make money of this, it's good because we can keep investing more. So I thought, okay, I'm working on this thing, Elixir Raider. I, I think I need to come up with ways to make money with it. So one, maybe I could, this could be my job. I don't know, at least a part-time job. I don't know yet. I'm figuring out. Or I could hire someone for some parts of it and I could mm-hmm. do just the creation. Or increase my accountability. I don't know. But since July, I've been trying to monetize with it and I've been having a little bit of more success on those areas that I thought. So I'm, I'm happy with that too. Are you open to share any of that information? Like how yeah. many people? Uh-huh. So, yeah. So you've done both routes, which is the direct support. Sounds a lot like Changelog++. Check it out, listeners. <laughs> uh, there's that. Yeah, I checked that. Yeah, check that out. And then, uh, so direct support of Elixir Radar, which is like, you know, human to human. And then also now you're experimenting with sponsorship or, you know, yeah. promoted posts, yeah. which is the format that we use for Changelog Weekly is, and our, and our Changelog News on our homepage is promoted stories in the feed and in the newsletter. So yeah, share share with us what's going well, what's not going well. Um, how, yeah. many, how many people have hopped on board and supported you with their cold hard cash? <laughs> yeah. So the first thing that I did was this thing that I call in Elixirator individual sponsorship. It's basically donations because so people can support Elixirator and can support my work on that uh, with three, three different packages, $3, $5, or $10 per month. And it's a subscription. 
but I, I'm, I'm not giving anything in return for, uh, to these people specifically for them. Like mm-hmm. uh, they're already consuming the, the newsletter for free and, and they, they don't have anything yet, at least just for them that is different from the other readers. So that was the first part. My goal with this part was to stop losing money in terms of finance. I, I was investing just a little bit in terms of servers, like Heroku and um, email marketing tools, that kind of stuff mm. uh, from my own money. And I, I just wanted to stop losing money. I, so I, right now I have 41 individual sponsors and they make... Uh, together, two hundred and thirty-four dollars in MRR in monthly recurring <laughs> revenue for Lexi Raider. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and that's enough to pay for infrastructure bills and everything. So at least I have the peace of mind that I, I don't need to invest. No longer bleeding. Uh, yeah, no longer bleeding at least. And it was very good. And my my inspiration for that part was I think this guy called Caleb Persio. I think you guys already. It's revealed to him with the sponsor word. Absolutely. Say the name again. Oh, Caleb. Caleb, yeah. Yeah, Caleb Corsio, so, sponsor word, yes. Yeah, I think last year, he I was reading his blog post of that last year, he wanted to be a full-time open source developer. Mm-hmm. And I think he's the guy behind, uh, what's this PHP project thing? It's Livewire. Livewire, yep. Yeah. And he come up with ways and evolved his business model to be able to be 100% working on this and also have an income which is looks like it's even higher compared to when he was uh, a full-time employee in a company that I, I don't know the name of it. And it was very inspiring to me. I just I kind of copied his idea in terms of theory, and, but he's offering something in return for the sponsors and I don't have that yet. But maybe in the future, I'm still thinking about this. That was the first try. And yeah. it's going well from my goals, which was top bleeding money. What kind of things might you offer? I don't have any good ideas yet. I was thinking about keep copying Caleb and maybe do <laughs> some... <laughs> hey, if it works. Maybe do... Yeah, if it works, why should I just uh, try to come up with 100% by myself? So I was thinking about creating educational videos. Okay and make it private just for the people who are the video sponsors. Right. Uh, it's screencasts, basically, yeah. Yeah, that's a good that idea. That was one of the ideas. Another one that I haven't quite, he hasn't freemiumed me yet, but he's close, uh, is Ben Evans, whose newsletter I've subscribed to for years, and he just recently added a premium tier, uh, a paid membership to his newsletter. And what he does is he's an analyst. So a lot of why you read him is, first of all, the links, but also his analysis of why this is, this is interesting and stuff. He's a technology and analyst kind of. And Andreessen Horowitz uh, used to work for them, so he's like a startup guy. His paid tier is two things. The first thing is he releases it two days earlier, which for me, I'm like, yeah. I don't care about that. It's, again, maybe some people are like, yeah. I want in first. I think in his case, some of his tips are like, you could probably make some money knowing that before other people. Like if his analysis is correct, you can maybe make some market moves. So maybe there's some advantage there. So there's that. And I think that's a small thing, but it's a thing. I know some people like early access. 
for me, I'm always like, I got so much content, like whenever it comes out is fine, but that's just me. And then the other thing he does is he actually writes an essay every week. And so his news, his free newsletter is all of the stuff he ha- he was doing in the past, two days later. And then his premium newsletter is all the stuff he was doing in the past, plus an essay that only paid members get, and it comes out two days before. So it's hmm. similar in terms of yours would be like, members only screencast is like members only essay but now you got a new, uh-huh. now you have a new job right your new job is write essays once a week or make a screencast once a week so mm-hmm. these are things to experiment with but it's not like uh turning on a faucet right you have you're you're giving yourself more work and, and maybe that's if that's something that you already want to do then it makes total sense yeah yeah have you guys heard of this article it's pretty popular it's the the title of it is the truth is paywalled, but the lies are free. Ooh, I have <laughs> yeah. heard of that one, yes. Yeah, and it's, I would say, less on the actual content and more on the analogy of that. And, you know, you start to get into this, keep the main thing the main thing. I'm sure maybe in Evan's case, it makes complete sense for him to do an analysis and a full-on essay. He's also experimenting, by the way. He may back out of this right. too, but... right. You know, but we we've even talked about this on backstage too, Jerry, in regards to Changeable Plus Plus and the and the feedback we've gotten so far of that most recent type form has been we want extended content, we want additional content, but give it to everybody. And almost everyone so far has said that they want us to do that, but to give it to everyone because <laughs> the truth should be free, they say. And that's what made me think of How that. is it extended then? Isn't it just content? Well, I suppose it is, but it's more like <laughs> Longer extended from shows. the well, less like longer shows, but more like if it's ancillary to like the content right. or in additional addition to, things, yeah. then it's, yeah, then it's extended. So feel free to do that, but, but please give it to everyone. And they said some of the other feedback was in the line of Evan, which is maybe give it to plus plus subscribers early yeah, and then release it to everyone later, but still give it to everybody. Yeah. yeah but this idea of the truth being paywalled and the lies being free, right. I think is interesting because Maybe in the case of this analysis, maybe in the case of Evan, isn't exactly true, but um, you've got deeper thoughts in there that the world always wants the information to be free. But I think if you've got particular domain knowledge that can make somebody money, and maybe in this case of Evan, like we we assume potentially is an option for people who subscribe. I never made any money off the guy, but I do appreciate (laughs) what he has to say. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And again, I'm not a paid subscriber, so I'm probably not getting the good stuff. I think uh, maybe a more gracious way to think about it, that model is like third-party content is free, but first-party is paid, right? So in in Hugo's point, like he's curating Elixir Radar, so none of the pieces in there are by you, right? Uh, Maybe once once in a blue moon, you'll write a blog post. Similar with us, like with Changelog News, we have posts and we're doing more and more of our own writing. And so we'll throw our own writing in there. But generally what we're doing, we consider ourselves pointers to interesting things, right? With a little bit of commentary or a joke here or there. And so the third party content free, and then maybe like, but if you want to know what I think, is it worth the membership for you? So maybe one way to think of it, but it's true. I mean, the lies are what sell the newspapers. So (laughs) I guess I would (laughs) not make them free. The old model of selling newspapers. Now you give the newspaper away. Yeah. So yeah, lots of different ideas. And that's on the the direct side, but you're about to go into the the other avenue, which I think honestly uh, could be more sustainable it's sustained pretty well for us is the promoted posts model. And you've, you've been experimenting with that as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
and in terms of amount of money, it, it definitely made me made me more money than the direct sponsor. So I experimented with two other ways. So after the individual sponsors, and I'm I'm keep doing this, I've just stopped promoting more, but I, I would like to keep them so because they make they may be sure that I, I won't bleed money. Mm-hmm. But after that, I was calling it company primary sponsorships. It's basically sponsored content or ads. So a company can reach out to me and hey, we have this we have this piece of content or landing page of our product and we'd like to promote it on our newsletter. And and I and I charge companies for that. And I just make sure that it's suitable and it's interesting for my com- my audience, which is made of Elixir developers. Right. So I'm not gonna promote like sneakers or that kind of thing. Right. So it's gonna be either yeah, <laughs> it's either services or products uh, or content related uh, that's uh, gonna be useful or, or interesting for Elixir developers. So um, since um, during August and September. Uh, one of my clients have been uh, AppSignal. They 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 are APM uh, software for a long time. I, I even know the founder from my Ruby on Rails days, uh-huh. and so I experimented with this, and it, it was very good. And this, the the third way is paid job listings. So Elixirator promotes. Elixir job listings in two channels, in the list ladder and in the job, the web job board. And the web job board, I kept it free, but in the newsletter, now it's paid. And this was the last one, and I've experimented this for one month since the, the end of August. And this week, actually, I finished it, what I'm call, I call the experiment, like my business mind, mm-hmm. business experiments. And I finished it this week and it was good. My success criteria was selling just one job listing for a hundred dollars and I sold five. So I nice. made uh, five hundred dollars and go. yeah, and I, I, I and a good thing also was the conversion rate. So it basically when a when a company posts on the job board, I say, Hey, uh I noticed that you post a job here and I reveal it. It's about Elixir, so I just publish it. You can publish it by itself. I need to to reveal it, make sure that it's 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 about Elixir. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's published on the job board. I'm gonna contact you in 30 days to make sure to 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 know if you want to keep it there or not, because maybe you already hired someone. And there's also this other paid option uh, that you can promote in the newsletter. Here are the stats, the number of people that subscribe to it, the open. And I love that. The estimate of people, yeah, and some of them, like actually, twenty-six percent of those converted into into paid. So I, I the, the the conversion rate was very good. Yeah, the the absolute numbers are not that big, but it's it's not my full time job at least not yet. I don't know. And it was a good experiment. So in August and September. I sold all the newsletter ads. I, I, I kept, I'm keeping just for one per newsletter. Mm. And job listings also, I sold five. So it's been doing interesting. And after all those three 
lines of experiment, I decided, okay, I think I should invest my time in rewriting this web app and make it more easier, like do some kind of SEO, make it more usable for uh, a developer who's looking for a job. It's not that good yet because it's kind of old, the UI. Mm-hmm. And I also was proud because I, I was making money of this. So I, I bought an open source uh, product from Tailwind. I used the money that I made to buy Tailwind UI nice. uh, from the Tailwind West CSS guys to, to re- rework the, the client side part. So this is how it's going. It's 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 mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, the Tailwind guys are just killing it right now. I think uh it's time to get them yeah, back they... <laughs> on a show, Adam. Have you seen you actually Adam, you logged there. Yeah. Just found a way to make good money off of that. It's pretty cool. I, I can't I logged that one. I, was, yeah. I couldn't believe that. And I'm glad you reminded me of that because I wanted to get Adam on yep. again, either on Founders Talk or something to kind of go deep into yeah the economics of things and just the you know, pick a show. I'm sure he'd fit the on the change log. Honestly, great. But yeah. Yeah. So that's really cool. I mean, I, f- I feel like the job board is like, that's really impressive. I love that upsell where it's like free on the website. You know, that's a great lead generation tool for you because it's providing value for everybody. And it's like the obvious upsell. Hey, your job listing is live. If you want this to go out to X number of, you know, Elixir enthusiasts guaranteed in the best newsletter for the Elixir community. You know, make that easy. Pitch me this hundred dollars. That seems like it just makes yeah. total sense. And and the thing about job listings in a newsletter, there's something about paid content which we are very guarded about or we care about. Is like the promoted posts have to be good, right? Like they can't just be there because they're paid for. They have to be there yeah. uh, organically. Like they'd have to be just as good organically, or at least above a threshold that Adam and I decide. Like yes, this is interesting enough. Otherwise. Uh, it's making the newsletter not as good. That being said, there's still like a notch there where you're like, this is organic, this is here because it was paid. Where you're like, well, which one's better? Probably the organic. And that's just reality. Not always. Yeah. We've had actually some paid spots that actually top the newsletter. So there are you know great content that we put in there and that's our that's our job, that's our desire. That being said, there's no difference between a paid job listing and like a free job listing in terms of it's a job that's available, right? Like, I wouldn't be yeah. like, oh, I don't want to go for the paid job listing. Those people might have more money than the other people, <laughs> right? Like that's actually the company that's succeeding. They're willing to pay. And there is so much overhead in hiring. I mean, the amount of money that recruiters make is nuts because it's hard work. And like yeah. you yeah. got to headhunt. And if you can shortcut that and find a great employee for uh, without going through a recruitment company, that's worth serious dollars for companies. So. You know, I would if you're going to continue experimenting. I think the idea of investing in the web app and making that job board awesome is great. I would also, while you're experimenting, maybe double the price of those and see if the drop off is there or not. Because you may find that your price per ad for per jobs is way higher than what you're charging right now. Maybe not, but yeah, that's the experiment, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the economics of it, someone's willing to pay at least 250 bucks or more because we see that in other job boards mm-hmm. just to be on the job board alone. So they're getting that for free. Right. And if they give you at least that much, because you said 100 bucks, right? Yep. Okay. Sold five of them. Yeah. And we know that just based on existing job boards out there, people are willing to pay at least 250 bucks or more, some cases 300 bucks or more, just to be on the job board. You've given them one piece for free. So you said, here is me giving to you. And here's one way you can reach a wider audience 
you know, for sure distribution because, and, and maybe paid just as much. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Jared's right. You're, you could be underselling your value, which isn't a bad thing. No, I'm just saying experiment. Because you can do that for a while while you experiment and while you sort of like fine tune what the actual value is you give. And once you've got that for sure locked down, then you can easily double down on your price because when you sell it, you can say, yep, I don't give discounts. This thing is valuable. This is the rate for it. Right. And you can be so much more sure about what you're selling and why and for how much because you have your own assurances you've done through experimentation and, and just knowing. Yeah. And let me add a, something from the reader side. As a reader of the newsletter, I'm not looking for a job. Okay. So that section of the newsletter is worthless to me. I do not care that it's there. It doesn't bother me. I either scan by it or when I reach the job section, I just tune out and hit archive, whatever. Okay. If I was interested in a job, if I was that reader, so you have the reader who wants a job, right? Why would they want just one opportunity when you have multiples available for you? So I wouldn't, I was wondering why you would limit it to just to one, maybe for the experimentation point of it. But mm -hmm. like, what's the difference between one or two? I'm saying you could probably increase that inventory. Maybe you set a limit and say, look, I can only have five ads or job ads at once because I don't want my newsletter to get too long or whatever your your goal there is. Um, yeah. I think you could parallelize those pretty easily without having any drop-off in usability or readability. For the people who want jobs, they want to see all those. And of course, you're probably linking out to the job board from there as well. And for the people who don't want jobs, I just scan right over that section. I just never read it. So yeah. it's not a big deal. Yeah. I'm with you, Jared. I think I would even suggest maybe just making the spots in the newsletter all paid do like five spots all paid yeah and say hey reader this is how we sustain ourselves tell your story right people empathize with that and say this is how we make our money uh, if you know the people who are you know have jobs tell them to put them here but then also say if you want to read all the jobs link out and back out to the site so that way you know the value add is you're always you can fill your inventory for one as jared said no one's gonna really be upset about it because if it's relevant it's relevant if it's not it's not I'd sell all five. Yeah. I'd say, I'd yeah. Think I'd make all the spots in there five and just let your readers know, like, this is the way we're sustaining. And they'll be happy with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. Uh, so the, the limitation is in the number of the, what I'm calling, uh, sponsored content or primary sponsorship. And it's, so it's, uh, it's the, the, the content, the paid content goes within the curated articles. So this one is limited to just one spot. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the paid job listings, uh, there's no limit yet. Okay. But probably it, as the demand increase, and I hope it will, um, I'm probably gonna put some limit because so that is that the other on the uh, otherwise newsletter would get get that bigger. So maybe three or five. But there's no limit yet. So one week was just one. The other week was two. Okay. The following week was two again. So something around three or five. Yeah. But I always also put the button pointing to the web job board of, of all the job listings. Because actually, that's one of the ways that I drive traffic to the companies who are not paying for uh, for the job the, the job listing on the job board. I, I, there's um, Most of the traffic to the job board comes from Google. But the second biggest source is the newsletter itself because people click on the, I want to see all jobs button and go to the, the job board. So yeah, definitely, uh, I think, um, and, and it's good to hear your feedback as a reader. Uh, Gerald, no, you bet. Uh, yeah, thank you for this. 
I'm a rare person who's on both sides of the equation. Like I think about creating the content <laughs> and I also think about how I consume it. I wouldn't be so self-aware of my consumption if I wasn't thinking about it from a creator side. Like I'm thinking, how is this put together and et cetera. And I just know for a fact that the job section, I just scan right over it. I like that it's not like the first thing right up front. Makes sense, you know, get, get st- best content up front or the most relevant content for the most people, I think, up front. And then kind of like organize it from there. But we have similar limits. Like we only will allow, we'll allow up to four sponsored posts in Changelog Weekly, but we have a lot of content. So we have 20 items and four sponsored. Yeah. And so our newsletter is generally longer than yours. And it's generally too long, so long that we have to trim it down for Google every single yeah. week because Gmail yeah. clips it, which is stupid. It's like, come on, guys, just let us send whatever length email we want, right? Yeah, Gmail. You think so? Gmail has this weird deal. Have you ever hit that? You go where Gmail will actually clip your content if it's a certain. I think it's kilobytes, isn't it, Adam? Or is it like actual? I'm pretty sure it's either. I think it's yeah. It's it's page weight. We, it's like full on weight of the thing. We tried to actually calculate it out and have our page weight always be slightly under it, but uh-huh. it doesn't work the way they say it works, and so we never figured it out. So now we just have to go in and delete. Manually produce Yeah, it. we produce a, mm-hmm. what we want it to be, and then we send it to ourselves. Yeah, when I, this is the royal we. It's mostly Adam that does this. <laughs> uh, Adam sends it to himself and then sees if Gmail snips it, and then if it does, he has to take an item out, or that's pretty much how you do Fine it, right? Things. Yeah. You know, on that note, I mean, while I don't, I think that doesn't scale well, I think one thing behind the scenes, so if you're listening to this and you, you read our weekly email, that's a bit of a behind the scenes of like the care and attention we put into it. Now we may eventually be able to like automate that out and it doesn't need to be there, but we care so much that the email looks good, reads well, you know, looks good, et cetera. Cause there's sometimes we have, you know, internally user generated content. So sometimes things get wonky or look weird or an image fits for this item or it doesn't fit for that item. So we are willing to put that work in at send and then also to ensure that it doesn't clip for you so that you can actually read it and not be upset that you read it via Gmail and it's clipped or something happens. Yeah. So we, we take that care and attention. Now, I didn't think about this just now, though, Jared, that we do that only for Gmail. Because at least as far as I know, Apple Mail doesn't do that. No, Gmail is the only one clients. that does it. So, we, yeah. But it's, it's huge. But it's enough of, I mean, so many people use Gmail that it's worth it to us to yeah, do that. True. And we have, I mean, we get actual, yeah. I use Gmail, but I read it inside of Apple software. And so the Apple right. software doesn't, like with an IMAP client, doesn't do the snipping. And so I would have no clue that this even happened, but we had actual readers who like forward it right. to us and like, hey, look the way this looks. And the open rate and engagement rate would drop too whenever we didn't pay attention and we didn't know that that was happening or just shipped it anyways. Right. So we've actually had to take that uh, close care and attention to, uh, to ensure that doesn't happen. All the little things, the TLC. Mm-hmm. One other thing I want to ask you about, Hugo, before we let you go, is I'm just curious how you curate. So we have our own little, you know, tools and workflows, uh-huh. and Adam and I have our own methods of going out and finding the stuff. And one of the things we've done is create a submission process. So the stuff comes to us, although lots of that stuff is people trying to advertise their companies in India. Or, you know, there's lots of spam in that flow, which is dumb because there's no auto-publish on our system. They just don't care. So there's no way that no spam gets through. But there's also some low-quality posts. There's some good stuff that comes through. So that's been one route that we have incoming submissions. I know when I write something in Elixir or we do an Elixir show, I just email you and say, hey, you should throw this in the radar. But I'm curious <laughs> how you curate. What's your flow? Yeah. 
before I, I, I say the way that I'm doing, I have this dream or idea into some kind of automation in the future, and it's probably a good excuse to to do some coding too. I was thinking about I I already have like a thousand, almost a thousand, a little bit more, a little bit less uh, RSS feeds that I that I that I subscribe to that publish a, a content Elixir content. And I use Feedly. I subscribe to Feedly Pro. That's one of the two that I have to pay to do my work in Elixirator because mm. there's a limit there. What's the Pro get you? Just more subscriptions? Uh, there's a limit in terms of number of RSS feeds that you can subscribe to in the free tier. I think it's, I don't know, a couple hundred. And I subscribe to more than a thousand to do the curation process. So I have this list of websites and I, I was thinking about... Hmm, Maybe I could come up with some way of doing like Google page rank mm. and the links between those different websites could help me to surface which are the ones what are most popular or something. Yeah. That's an idea for the future. But right now I'm doing this all by my hands. So I've subscribed to a thousand RSS feeds for different uh, blogs. I read Elixir Reddit. I read Elixir Forum. I read Twitter, uh, hashtag my Elixir status, and I have content submitted to me directly through email, uh, like what you do and already work in the past. And that's the way that I find content. And every Monday morning, so I have these days that I work on this. It's at least the period, the, what's recurrent work in Elixir. Every Monday morning, I use my morning around two or three hours to go through the ones that I like the most, read, and then choose five of it. Yeah. And that's basically how it is. Yeah. I have different sources. But in the future, I like to do some automation because it's simple, but it takes takes work. It takes a lot of know? time. Mm, and yeah. Lot, yeah, it takes a lot of time. There are lots of those small TVs that I do that I, oh, I can't automate that. Mm. Should I do this or not? And I've been doing this for months, and I probably now that I, I have been, uh, I've been more certain that I can keep this more sustainable. I, that's one of the things that I'm that I'm planning to. Do. I'm probably doing some automation because, like the create the, the more creative part is around the, the curation, yeah. the reading, and everything. But from that to to publishing is also more two three hours of work on Wednesdays. That is when I end promotion and then um, tweeting about it and thanking all the others, the content creators that that were promoted. So Yeah, that's one thing you do well that we don't do at all is when you send the email out, you like mention everybody who's in like for most of the content creators that like you at mention them on Twitter. So they're notified that they've been featured in the newsletter, which I think is a really nice touch. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's good in, in lots of different ways. It's good to expose more of the newsletter to more readers. But also, as I said, before Elixirator, I love to read uh, Ruby Weekly, which is basically kind of Elixirator, but in the Ruby world. And I used to do this when I was almost a full-time engineer, and like coding every day, every hour. And... I was writing articles too on Powerful Text blog about Ruby and everything. And every time one of my articles was were chosen by Ruby Weekly, I got so excited. So because hey, it's Ruby Weekly, it's, it's big. Yeah. They chose my and 
me and other people from our company. So I think that's there's a spark too when you create content from one of uh, one of the of those people, they feel appreciated. And I and I, I so it's it's good because we win. Hey, they they feel happy because they, they content were chosen, and also they get lots of traffic from the newsletter, and sometimes they help me to promote the newsletter too. It's it's very good. Yeah. It's, it's what I like in terms of open source. It's trying to make it to design in a way to make a virtual cycle, and in terms of not collaboration, but in terms of in, in, on a business way too. Yeah, it's a it's a win win. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I think we all crave closed feedback loops, right? Of course, we also crave and appreciate being appreciated. But, you know, in the case of us, like we, we don't really, I suppose there's some ways we do mention like being in our newsletter, but we don't actually thank them via Twitter or things like you're doing, Hugo. And I think that that's a feedback loop nicely closed, you know? So they, they did something out there. Right. They put something out into the world and somebody appreciated it and said that. And that is, uh, you know, more of that happening, I think, is what this world needs. And it's great for a newsletter, obviously. We used to do that. We had weekly MVPs, which I did for a couple of years, which was we would I'd go back to last week's newsletter. And I would find the top three most clicked links yeah. and then I'd go find their authors. And I would, I would announce the MVPs from the Changelog Weekly. And like do the like the metal emoji and try to make it a cool, you know, thing, a commemorative tweet kind of a thing. And that was really good in that same way that you do it. Again, because we have so much content, I think doing everybody is not as feasible. Um, but maybe the yeah. best performing stuff. We do tweet each each author throughout the week. We we cover on changelog news throughout the week now. So we're not just putting it together at the end of the week. So they get that tweet like you're on changelog news, they get an email thanking them, but they don't get anything for the newsletter. And the weekly MVPs thing was cool. I would have kept it going, but it's just like, you know, things fall by the wayside. It was a lot of effort, and it just was something that I couldn't sustain. I did it for a couple of years. Yeah. People think that it's just a, a lot of just small activities here, but mm-hmm. when you sum Add it, it all up, up. Add it all up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All up. It's, it's work. Like that, this tweet, I like to automate it. Uh, in some way in the yeah. future, there was this one that I, I think I hey these are the most pop, uh, popular content creators in Luxray this year, and there was a rank um, by the number of clicks that each author got it. It got lots of uh, popularity in Twitter. Yeah, so that's one way too. If you have like uh, too much content, maybe like the five people, five websites that got most engagement from the newsletter. One thing that would be cool that we could maybe collaborate on, just I'm just literally riffing right now, is what if you did like roundup posts every once in a while on changelog.com, like the best of Elixir radar for maybe it's quarterly, maybe once, a, maybe it's at the end of the year, like this is the best stuff from the radar during this time frame, maybe we could do more around it. It's like a roundup post mm-hmm. that is good content for us and it's nice summary content because we don't cover all the Elixir stuff. We like link to like yeah. one Elixir thing a week or every couple of weeks we'll throw an Elixir project yeah. in, but we're not covering the same stuff you're covering and that'd be good content for us and also be a nice backlink as well as just promotion of the Elixir radar in general uh, for you. Maybe that's something we could... Call, well, call like that. Like, I like uh, that. Yeah, that's a cool. Elixir idea. radar greatest hits, like Rich Hickey. Yeah, exactly. Or it could be the best of Elixir radar month of. Yeah, exactly. You know? And we could figure out the frequency. Yeah. We uh, in yeah. the spirit of experimentation, we would just try it once and see if it's something that our readers like. And if not, then don't do it again. 
but that'd be a way that yeah. we could like cross promote each other. Um, one one thought yeah. I, one thought I had real quick when you talk about automation, which I think this might actually this dog might hunt, is you mentioned what if we page rank my RSS feeds, right? Go out to Google get the page yeah. rank. I like that idea. I think it might fall down with new stuff because it hasn't like been indexed and ranked very well, or you know, like things change over time. So maybe that won't be as good for brand new content, which a lot of the stuff you cover is like new content, right? But what would yeah. be cool is remember when Flickr used to have sort by interesting? Do you guys remember that, Adam? No. So on Flickr, remember Flickr.com? I do. Uh-huh. There's no E at the end. Yeah. The web 2.0, uh, dark, yeah. darling. <laughs> Uh, the the progenitor of Slack, at least the same creator, yeah. same creator. Flickr used to have sort by interesting. I'm sure Instagram or I mean they always sort by Insta- uh, interesting at this point or engagement. But what would be cool is your RSS feed sort by interesting. So not based on page rank, but what if you could just have a, a program consume the content of all your RSS feed content, and then there has to be models trained on like quality or interesting writing, right? Like well-written. I might, might struggle with people who put a lot of code into their posts. So maybe my, my yeah. dog is not hunting as I describe it. But it'd be cool to like, if you could just take all your RSS feeds and sort them by interesting before you start curating. So some program is basically similar to what you're thinking, like page rank them for me. Then at least you're starting at what some program thinks yeah. is the top of the heap. I think instead of page rank, some sort of model that's trained against the content that can do us a, a rough approximation of what's good writing or what's interesting writing, then you can start at the top and work your way down. And maybe that saves you some time. Anyways, that'd be something I would want to yeah. have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that kind of thing that I was was I was thinking about. It's because as curators, you probably you guys, I, I actually I do have this kind of heuristics already in my mind, mm-hmm. like a model in my brain, right. But it takes time. But so if I could get help from some software that I write to at least sort it so I can start to... There are some downsides because then you could not surface some good content from a producer who doesn't have popularity at this, at this moment yet. So what I'm doing on this, my mental model when I'm doing curation, I kind of also try to have at least one piece of content from a person who was not curated in previous issues uh, on the newsletter too. So there are some people there who keeps getting content because they, their content is just very good. Uh, like I think it's Alex Akautmos or something. I'm not you know, familiar. English community. Yeah, Alex, uh, uh, I do remember. But he, he's producing like those tweets now with Elixir tips and everything. Mm-hmm. He's very good. His content is awesome. So basically, every time he writes it, it's probably going to like mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, we have those. Well, that's the whole point of the RSS feeds too. Is like you've done all the work, I suppose, to some degree, the work in terms of curation, Collection. finding out. Yeah, you know, and so that's one of the reasons why we capture the RSS feed of people. We try to, mm-hmm. you know, of sources, but uh, not individual people actually that I can think of. And having that is like a a you know, exhaustive list of RSS feeds you've covered in the past, writing software against that to find the the most interesting things, it at least gives you a leg up, you know, yeah. a leg up on previously done work even, you know, like I've previously vetted this person for being a good human, sharing good information, caring about the community, all the necessary checklists that you put people through or content through 
to ensure it meets your criteria, you know, we've kind of done that. Mm -hmm. So why not leverage it? Totally. Do you guys have any kind of, of software that assists you? No, with I was that? hoping you would. <laughs> 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 I'm trying to talk you into writing some stuff here. Come on, you're on sabbatical, I'm man. We got jobs here. No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably gonna use my time to write that. So when I have something, I'm gonna I'm gonna show it out to you. <laughs> that sounds great. I mean, if you could make it generic enough that we could reuse it, that would be awesome. And we do the similar thing that you're doing. I mean, I like I don't subscribe to that many feeds, but um, we're you know checking all the regular channels that you're checking, and the, my favorite writer, this is a a persona, not an actual literal human, is the person who writes like once a month or once a quarter, and every time they write, it's just gangbusters. Like you want to read the entire thing, and those yeah. are my favorite subscriptions. That's that's where RSS is just magical, because like you can just forget about that person until they write that amazing thing, and then you're right there with them, and yeah, they they make it in changelog news every single time. So. Um, I know what you're talking about there with certain people. They just make great content. And it's like, well, I'm not going to like exclude it because they wrote <laughs> too much good content. I'm just going to keep it, yeah. keep posting them in there. Thoughtful. You know, I mean, really in-depth, thoughtful people like that. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. Yeah. Golden. I just saw uh, that you, you asked me before I started recorded uh, if I wanted to talk about anything. And we, we, and there's this topic that I like to, to know your views and opinions is – this thing like uh, monetizing in the open source world. Mm. Sometimes it's kind of polemic. Some people don't like it. No, no one should make money of open source and everything. And I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of it, not open source software, but in open source community. Sure. So um, I've been in, on that kind of role for more than 10 years and you guys too. So I'd like to know your views about it. Mm. We did this recently. Oh, yeah? We covered this recently. Yeah, in the words of the title for episode 405, it's okay to make money from your open source. <laughs> That's there true. You There's your answer. I have to listen to this. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, to expand on that, I mean, we are pro open source. We, we see the impact it has on the world, and we see the, I'm saying we, I think I'm speaking for Adam, but he can correct me if I start to go off into Jared land. Um. We want to see more of it, and we want to see the people that are doing it thrive, and not just sustain, but thrive, right? Like live yeah. fulfilling, uh, enjoyable lives in the open source world. And so we we are totally okay with people making money off of open source. That's what I mean, a lot of our shows is like, hey, you have this up open source. Can you also make some money off it? Because that would be great. Like, let's not destroy it in the process. Let's not compromise our morals or whatever it is in the process of doing that. But if we can get more open source out there, then everybody benefits, right? Like if, if, if you, Hugo, can become more sustainable in Elixir Radar that provides you the time to write this analysis, RSS analysis tool, right? And open source that versus keeping it to yourself. Then all of a sudden our newsletter becomes better because we can use a tool that you built and you're making more money and we're making more money and our readers are all happier because they're reading better content and our sponsors are all happier because there's more readers like, where's the downside in that? So we are pro finding routes to not just sustainability, but to thrive. And we realize the challenge is there. And the main challenge is that you're giving your stuff away for free, right? Like you're <laughs> giving a gift to the world. And let's not forget that it was your decision to give that gift. So you're not yeah. entitled to make money off of this. But if we can find routes to that, then yeah, let's do that. And 
Some people find mm-hmm. it. Some people don't. Some projects will never make money, and that's okay. But if yeah. you can, I'm not against it. I almost said earlier, don't burn out in the name of sustainability. Because like you, you, you know, Hugo, being new, you know, to finding ways to make money with this, you're willing to experiment. And sometimes you get yourself into uh, a direction that isn't exactly sustainable because it takes too much time. And you've promised, you know, sponsors or whatever. You, be, you create this business model. And I'm all for like finding ways to sustain, but don't, don't do something that gets you into a position that you got to burn out to sustain, you know? And so I think of it more like thriveability, Jared, not sustainability. Thriveability. And I want to promote like that. that. You know, I, I, I think it's totally cool to make money from your open source for sure. If you're not compromising the, the nature and the, you know, socially accepted desires from open source. You know, I think if we, if we can kind of keep that promise of open source, but at the same time, thrive, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. Good to hear. And I'll just say, uh, as we close out here, uh, I've been, and I've said this to Jose, I believe, if not, I'll say it to you. I, we're grateful for Platformer Tech and for the work that y'all yeah. did there. I mean, we, our platform is on Elixir. Uh, I've I've made money off of Devise back when I used to write websites for people. Like that was part of my career. That I appreciate the work that you all did and the work that you continue to do through Elixir Radar. I read it every week. I'm a huge fan. If you haven't if you haven't uh, heard yet, ten out of ten <laughs> would recommend all the backstage listeners. If you're into Elixir, <laughs> go give it a subscribe. Absolutely, like and subscribe. Um, and specifically, I mean, Platformer Tech has done a lot for open source you said a few things earlier i just want to echo that and maybe like put a exclamation mark uh next to it because the open source world and the developer community is better off because of platform and tech no doubt no doubt and so you all deserve praise and and you have my admiration about it and i definitely hope that you have lots of success when you uh, post platform tech post sabbatical whatever's next for you with the radar i mean i think you could probably turn this into something that is sustainable and thrivable yeah if you just keep it up keep experimenting and uh yeah get the community behind it yeah i, I just want to thank you for this uh this compliment on part on the work that we did at platform tech it was a long journey five years 11, 11 years of our lives and works there at 70 80 people and they love the work and everything and it was a great and amazing part of my life and the work that we did in the open source communities we are very very proud of and receiving that kind of feedback i just i just want to my friends that work with me to hear this and and feel appreciated too because it was not people know about jose or device or like those are the symbols right well, was like a, a, a whole a team. team and company there sustaining everything. So I, I thank you for this feedback. And yeah, let's let's keep working, making this better. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thanks for coming backstage. We really appreciate it. It's fun hanging out. That's it for backstage. Thanks for tuning in. If you listen to our outros, guess what? You are a true fan. And we thank you. And by now, you're probably thinking... Man, I love what Changelog represents. I love the content they put out. They work so hard to do it. And to that, I say thank you. And take it to the next level by showing your support. 
directly support us via ChangeLaw Plus Plus, and we will bring you closer to the metal with no ads, extended episodes, outtakes, bonus content, a deep discount in our merch store coming soon, and more to come. Head to changelaw.com slash plus plus to learn more and get started. And we also welcome you to join us in Slack, which is totally free. Everyone is welcome. There are no imposters here. Join us at changelaw.com slash community. Thanks again for tuning in, and we will see you next time.